Thanks for checking out and tuning in to At the Table with Paul and Brandon. Be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And we really hope you enjoy today's show. So as usual, I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Lex Freeman was interviewing this guy who does a podcast. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's appropriate that you have your NASA hoodie on today. Mm-hmm. Um, but he basically does space exploration podcast, all the stuff related to SpaceX, all the other companies out there, NASA, everything related to space exploration, mm-hmm. uh, colonization of Mars, all that stuff that's coming, right? Mm-hmm. So he's into it. That's what his podcast specialty is. And one of the things that he's done as a result of that is he's had access to Elon Musk. Uh, Elon's brought him in. He's got to tour SpaceX. He's gotten he's done several interviews, and so he kind of knows Elon a little bit. He's kind of been around him. And one of the things that he was asked in the interview was, "What's the what? Are, what's one of the main takeaways that he's learned from being around Elon?" Mm-hmm. And uh, he said that one of the things that Elon always says is you have to learn to move beyond your constraints, Mm -hmm. to think beyond your constraints. And he said, like, he's a, Elon has applied that in his leadership for SpaceX, you know, doing things that people said they couldn't do when they first put legs on the rocket. You know, everybody was, everybody in the industry was laughing at them. Like, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to land a rocket, but now Mm -hmm. they do it. They've had over a hundred straight successful landings. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those kinds of things where he just says, well, you have to move beyond what you say can be done in order to create and and develop something that's unique and different. Um, And so he said, this guy being interviewed said, I have applied that to my own personal life. He gave the example of some some friends of his in his area like to do this run every year. He's never done it, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a long run and longer than what he was prepared to do. He he might run. It sounded like, but he's not. He wasn't trained and ready to do this run. Mm-hmm. And so they asked him last summer, "Would you do it?" And he said, "I immediately thought of Elon saying you need to learn to live beyond your constraints." And he said, "And I said yes to that." And he said, "I was able to do it." And he said, "It pushed me into a place of discomfort." But it was something that I was able to do and be successful with. And so I was thinking about that in my own life, in our life as leaders at a church, the things that we've tried to do, you know, to try to think beyond the constraints of American church, beyond the constraints of what people expect the church to be. And then for us as individual leaders, you know, what what have people said about us in the past that couldn't be done or, or wasn't able to be done? And how have we pushed beyond that? And then also in our personal lives, you know, how is not just for us personally, but for everybody who might be listening, but how do we move beyond the constraints that want to keep us in a place that's not healthy? What's always been fascinating to me is that like, when did you stop giving in to your curiosity? Cause for me, that's always what's hmm. driven me. I'm, I'm a very curious person. I'm always going to ask why, and I'm always wanting to know, like, just what's beyond over there. Like, what's like what if if there's a wall up and we've only gone this far? Well, what's on the other side of that wall? I mean, it could right. it could be something amazing. It could right. be something great. And then like you have this imagination, but then you want you want it to be satisfied. You want to quench it. And so for me, I've always been curious as to just why we lose that curiosity because people like Elon, people like. Uh, uh, Bill Gates, people like uh, what's from Apple? I mean, I, f- I forget. Jobs, Steve Jobs, um, yeah, yeah, the yeah. People like that. They they had they had curiosity, yeah, and they want to move beyond like what was normal. And I and like the constraints for what they what they were currently dealing with. They thought, well, what if something could be different? What if we could do it a different way? And I, I always 
have always pushed back on that notion of like, well, we've always done it this way, or this is good enough, or or for, or my favorite, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, tube TVs weren't broke, but we you know we there was better out there. Like sure. there was better quality, there was better images, there was better we can do. And so I, I've just never understood why we wouldn't push to do that in every aspect of where we're at in our life. Like the leadership, organization, a business, church, relationship. Like there's always something that I think can be a little bit better. And I, don't, I never understood why people almost settle, I guess you can say. So I think the opposite of that idea is complacency. So, but there's also... Uh, there's a fine line between complacency and contentment Yes, to me. And so I think sometimes I come across people that I think are complacent. And there's sometimes I think I just see people that are just content mm-hmm. and contentment's fine. There's not only there's anything wrong with contentment. Um, but I think for whatever reason, God has built us all differently. And so I think there are those of us who are designed and called to be the ones that push beyond the constraints who, like I'm, I'm a curious person as well. I'm mm-hmm. always interested in understanding why I like to take things apart. I like to know how they work. I like to know, is there a better way? And when I see a product or a company or a, a leadership model or something that I think is innovative, and we use the word innovative because that that is exactly where somebody looked at a problem and solved it differently than everybody else had before. Mm-hmm. And so that was somebody who wasn't complacent and they weren't content. And so in some way, they've decided there has to be a better way. And so I'm going to solve that problem. It's like the the Ventrac tractor that I have. Like it's a, it's a machine that somebody looked at all the things that they need a machine to do on a farm or on a piece of property. And they said, if we could do, if we could build a machine to do that, what would it look like? Right. And they, they, they forgot everything they knew about tractors and they just designed this machine from the ground up. And it's, it's radically different. Um, and it's very effective in what it does. In the same way, Steve Jobs looked at the idea of computing. If we if we create our own operating system, if we create our own hardware and our own software, and all the stuff that goes into making the Apple what Apple is, like it's a it's a unique approach to that problem. But it was innovative, and it was because somebody what wasn't satisfied with being content or complacent, whichever way you want to look at it. But they were willing to push, and I just think I think sometimes, especially if you want to make it into a spiritual conversation, I think a lot of times we become complacent in our relationship with God. We talked about this with our staff yesterday, the idea that that if we're going to lead to a spiritual depth, then we need to uh, attain a spiritual depth. We need to uh, pursue a spiritual depth ourselves. And in order to do that, we've got to push beyond our constraints in, in our walk with God. And so I thought, to me, like I, I thought about it in those terms is, all right, so as a husband, are there constraints that I'm living under where I'm content and complacent where I shouldn't be as a father, as a grandfather, as a church leader, as a business person? Like, are there places in my life where I'm, I'm living beyond, I'm living being held back by a constraint that I could push through and get to a, a place that's greater. Yeah. I think that is very interesting because I think that Paul tells us that he's learned to be content in all things. Yeah. And I think that we misapply that and put that on things you're talking about. And I feel like what Paul is saying, he spells it out very particularly, that like he's been poor 
and he's he's had wants and he has needs, right? And he's had abundance. Mm-hmm. So he's he's really talking about his own kind of like luxuries or like his uh, you might say treasures of his life or just like status. He's talking about that. Like you know, I've I've had to sleep on someone's couch and I've had my own couch, <laughs> right. my, and so I feel like and he'd right. be saying, but I'm able to be content with whatever station in life God has me as far as like what you might say are the uh, the little. Trophies and jewels of life. Okay. But Paul was never content in what God had called him to do. Right. Like he was never, he was always running the race, pushing forward. And so like, I feel like as a husband, you should never be content. As a father, you should never be content because you can always be getting better and moving forward. And I think as a leader, there's no, like a a leader is never content. Um, I, I just finished watching a documentary about Tiger and it was fascinating. Tiger Woods. Tiger. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not about. Yeah. Not Tigers. <laughs> yeah. I did not watch a documentary about Tigers. Yes. I watched a, a documentary about Tiger the Woods. Tiger. Right. Yes. And it was interesting. Four or five times throughout his career at Milestones, they asked him, man, do you think you can get any better? Are you satisfied? And he was like. I, I can get better. Yeah. Um. I feel like I'm just now doing. Tiger, what, what do you feel is happening this year? I'm getting better. I feel I'm getting better. He was never content. He always thought there was something to be to be gained. And yeah. at the time, he was considered to have the. Somebody said he had the best golf swing ever, and then he changed it yeah. because he felt like he could improve it in his game. And I just think when I when we look at athletes, um, Paul says this all all the time as well. The Apostle Paul that you know. People train and train and train and train and train to go get a perishable wreath or to get a medal that will fade away. Right. Um, and they put so much effort in. And we talked about this many podcasts before. But then think about the effort they put in for that because they're not content to try to just come in last. They want to win. Right. But we're all running a race that might be, even if it's our families or career, that it can really change things. Like what, like what they're trying to do with some of the technology, man, this can have lasting impacts for the next millennia, right? Yeah. And so it's not just about the next Olympics. It's about healthcare for forever. Why should we not be trying to put that in there? Why should, why should we be any less motivated to not be content? And I, and I feel like that, that we just, I was talking to one of my friends and he made a comment and we were just talking about like when we were looking at the world that there seems to be complacency and a lack for just greatness, like a lack for the new the, for the new idea. Like we're just all caught up on the here and now. We're just caught up on right now. And like we're not thinking about like, you know, would it look like to just do something radically different? Like I remember when we were having conversations when we were talking about what would it look like for you not come together. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember specifically in everybody I talked to who I respected as a leader before above me and my same age said it was dumb. So it like work. it's yeah. not going to work. It mm-hmm. doesn't work. People have tried it. It can't work. It's just it's setting up for failure. It's not going to work. Number one, you want to try to be coldly pastors. That's not the case. Right. Somebody has to have ultimate authority. Right. In every structure, there has to be a final say. Yes. Okay. Number two, you want to be multicultural. Like that, you're trying to do two. Like they're two hard things by themselves. Right. And so you're gonna to try to go into whether you're, it's a it's a uh, all Hispanic, all white, all black. You're gonna to try to turn the Titanic. Yeah. And then you also want to do that with two leads. And then 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 it's, then it's like then third, he's already there. It's already his church. Like maybe if you're planting something new, but there's all some people who are loyal to the one. Right. And so it was all this backlash. But you and I believed that we were trying to peer over. Hmm. The fence. Yeah. And we could believe that 
people wanted to have dual voices. They wanted to see um, you and I racially are different. We are age, right? Just all that stuff. And right. then like, and they wanted to see what we had to offer. And we believe that that could We believe we could land that rocket with feet. And, right. and, and sometimes I think the difference is, is that a lot of people have a lot of great ideas. A lot of people have, have thin skin. Yeah. But I also think too, I was, I agree with that hundred percent. And all of that's true. Um, and I think one of the things that we've thought a lot about is if, if we can, if we can put the proof out there, then it's an opportunity for other churches to do the same, Correct. to pursue the same things that which we feel like are true biblical representations of the gospel. Right. And, and even church structure, you yes. know, multiplicity of elders, multiplicity of leaders, um, in in the churches, there really wasn't like one single leader in the in the churches that Paul would found. Like there was a group of leaders, and so you know, I feel like that that can work. It's just about trust, and it's about you know getting out of our own way. Like you know, some some people honestly just can't share authority. Like they want to be the person, they want to be that one person, and I think that that really doesn't <laughs> truly move the dial forward. I mean that I mean that makes you feel good, but mm-hmm. the, but is it really actually the most helpful thing? And you think about it, you know, recently in the last couple of years, uh, Chevrolet, Ford, now Dodge uh, have all begun to really come out with a lot of electric vehicles. And uh, the reason that they're doing that is because Elon Musk created Tesla. Mm-hmm. And and they all said that that was not going to work, that the infrastructure they for, for gasoline powered exactly. was way too much. People love their, their gasoline cars. It just wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but now Tesla's a very successful company. You see Tesla's on the road every single day. Um, and at first, it was an anomaly. At first, there was one or two. Now there's, now there's hundreds of thousands of Teslas all over the road, right? And so you see them on a regular basis. And now you have companies like Rivian. You have other companies like Lucid. Coming up, they're <laughs> like startups. They're just doing electric. And now the main manufacturers are realizing, okay, we're in the automobile industry. Like we're not in the gasoline-powered machine industry. And so they're having to figure out <laughs> mm-hmm. how do we join this movement. Mm-hmm. And the only reason they they're having to do that and they're being forced to do that is because Elon Musk said you have to, we have to live beyond our restra- our constraints. And so because that one person did something that nobody else had done and it was successful when nobody thought it would be successful. And there were moments where he didn't think it would be successful. There were, there were, there, there was moments. If you hear the story of Tesla, it's a fascinating story of, of how close they were to bankruptcy mm-hmm. and, and some moments. And a few people bought a few cars and it just kind of was enough to make payroll. And they, then they just <laughs> were able to move on. Like it's just, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's those stories of, of going through the grind in, in something new to actually now you're impacting other people. You're impacting a culture. You're impacting the industry. And so, for us as church leaders, if we could, if we could create something that's successful, that's a different paradigm, that's a different way of doing things, but is is truly reflective of, of what Jesus wanted His gospel to be, then then maybe other churches can look and say, or other leaders can say, hey, we could we could do the same thing too, and then it creates a movement that's beyond just our sphere of influence. And I think in the same way, as husbands, as as wives, as as kids, as 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 workers, if we can begin to move ourselves beyond the constraints that we put in ourselves uh, to be better husbands, better wives. Um, and then maybe our friends around us begin to see that. And then it draws them up into the idea, well, maybe I could be a better husband. Maybe I could be a better wife. Maybe I could be a better parent. Um, and that becomes infectious in the same way that, that Tesla and the electric automobile have now become infectious across the whole industry. I love the idea when it says that for us, because at the end of the day, we're Christians, right? And so 
God says that I can do more than you can ask or think. Hmm. And I think the funny part about this is that we get so caught up in the spiritual and we get so caught up in just like the doing of the church and just that stuff that we don't stop to think about what that's saying. Like this conversation is that whole thing. Like take the limiters off. Like, Mm. like, like he's given us an imagination and he's given us brilliance that can go into the whole world. Like it does, it's not as a Christian, we're not just affecting Christianity. Like it, it, it says, like we're the salt. Like we, mm. we preserve, we add flavor to the world, and so like we can dream these dreams that can go and help others. Like when you look in the Old Testament, you see that God used different people to bless not only His people but other nations yeah. and other other people. Yep. And so like when I look at Elon. I like these other guys that are doing these great things. I'm thinking like, wow, we need we need more of that. We need more people doing that, and we need more people doing that. That has, I would say, a a, a heart towards God, a, a heart a heart that's full of faith. Like, what would that look like for just so many different things? I think we just I think we dream small. Like, I think we don't have big dreams. Like, we're just afraid that it's going to fall. We're afraid we're going to get egg on our face. So we rather just dream small. And I think that 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 limits our faith yeah and i think that that puts our god in a small box and he can't really show show up and show out i feel like for us you know we know what it's like to be thinking that you know are we going to be able to survive you know Mm -hmm. coming out of covid and dealing with our staff and dealing with we're like we we were in that place like i don't know if this is going to work like we've had that conversation driving down to white lake to to like hey man is this going to work like are like are we are we destroying something as we're trying to build right and and just believing that we we know we feel in our heart but it can't really work and then just saying i'm gonna stick it out and then when people start catching on and it's slowly starts to trickle. Mm. I mean, you and I are coming to believe that, man, there's even bigger things in the horizon than we even thought. Right. And so I just, I'm just really encouraged. And I just want to encourage people that are listening that man, like don't limit God by, by putting him in a small box. Like he's the God of the universe. And like the next great thing for your family, for your work, for your community, it could be the thing you're thinking of. You just got to have faith and courage to step out there and get beyond yourself. Yeah, I think that that we we put so many limitations on what God can do, and I think like there was it was an idea that somebody called you about something, and the details don't matter. But right. the, the idea was, uh, would we as leaders be interested in in talking about that? Right. And our, our both of our immediate reaction was, well, yeah, we need to have every conversation <laughs> because that's the way we think about mm-hmm. things. But we have every conversation doesn't mean we go forward, mm-hmm. but we have every conversation because we don't know what God might be up to. Because we don't want to put any constraints on God's movement because we've both seen in our personal lives and in our ministries leading up to us even coming together to work together where God showed up in places you didn't you never thought he would come. Just little moments. Just little moments or like like really like crazy things. You're (laughs) You're like whoa, like that's insane. Like Mm -hmm. God showed up. Mm -hmm. And so we never wanna we I guess we've lived long enough and we've we've both put ourselves out there in different times where people said that won't work. And we saw God show up and make it work um, enough to where we will never put those constraints on God again. Like we'll never, we'll never lead from a place of complacency. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's possible for the two of us mm-hmm. now. 
and I think part of that is because we have each other too. Mm-hmm. Because we'll always be pushing each other. Mm-hmm. It, it might be a little more easy for one leader, correct, to say, hey, "I don't things are good right now. I don't really want to rock the boat." Yep. Whereas I think we'll always be pushing each other because that's just our nature. Um, and and I think that ultimately will be healthy for the for the organization. And so I think in in all the areas of our lives, we we need people around us who can push us. People around us who can maybe if it's your spouse, are you having conversations about your marriage? Are you having conversations about you know the direction of, of your your life together? Because you can push each other and you can say, okay, well this is a constraint. This is something we need. To, this is a barrier we need to break down. This is a wall we need to peek over. We need to create a door where there's where there's not a door. And I think if we could just do that. Yes, it, it helps us in the immediate, but it also has the potential to have deep lasting ramifications and and challenge people and, and really touch people and, and create a movement more so than just creating a solution for the here and now. Thanks again for checking out this week's episode of At the Table with Paul and Brandon. Be sure that you like and subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. We'll see you then. Thank you.